This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors. Welcome to Invest Talk. This is our September 26, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. It is Thursday, and there's always a lot going on in the news, especially when the markets. That's what's great about the market. That's that's what allows us to do this show every single day, right? Because there's always something new happening. There's always a new company coming IPO, like Peloton today. There's always uh, political news, geopolitical news. There's always earnings like Micron technology after the bell today. So there's always a lot going on and a lot for us to talk about. So you are here for unbiased guidance and that's what we are here to give you. I'm Justin Klein and I hope you will call me with your investing questions and when and if you make time to call, you take charge of the program. You shape the show to your advantage and we'll better enable us, myself or Steve, to help you in particular make the next step towards your own path of financial freedom. And we do this each and every day with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. I'll say this again. I will repeat it many times. This is not CNBC. I am not Kramer. You will not hear a bell and a whistle. You might hear me get excited from time to time about a particular topic, but that's not to entertain you. That's simply to get a point across, right? Kramer is there to entertain. He's not there to really educate. Our job here is to educate you as well as we possibly can. So, we want to hear from you, 888-99-CHART, our anytime listener line is open right now, 888-992-4278. Now, here's a quick reminder about our upcoming Invest Talk events. Steve is already taking reservations for his next series of in-person portfolio review consultations, October 10th in San Jose. It's just, uh, what, two weeks away, two weeks from today. November 7th in New York City again. He met last week, two straight days, nonstop with listeners over on the East Coast. Our podcast is getting so much traction that we just get to listeners from all around the country now. So it's uh, pretty pretty amazing. And our KP Wealth Management Conference is set for October 12th in Irvine, California. It's called Earning Yield in a No-Yield World, Investing in Real Estate, Stocks, and Bonds for Income. You can learn more about that and register at investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today considers the story that home equity is now at an all-time high. The amount of equity people have in their homes is at an all-time high. It actually rose 4.8% last quarter on an annualized basis. And the big question is, what does that mean for personal balance sheets, for the housing market, and for you know our current situation as a country financially as well, this is one lone bright one bright spot. I don't want to say lone one bright spot, and I'm going to touch on what that means and how that relates to the next recession. We're always going to have a next recession, and I think this is a good lesson to touch on and whether or not 
the next recession will be triggered or uh, a cause caused by the housing market in general. So we're going to touch on that. Also, we're just a few days away from the fourth quarter, which also means we're just a few days away from the last quarter of the year. And because we're entering that time frame, you need to start thinking about tax planning for the end of the year. What can you do to make a few changes to limit your tax bill overall and put yourself on a stronger financial footing going into 2020? Also, for scams that target older people, I love talking about this because I don't think it can be discussed enough about the level of fraud there is towards the elderly. Most of the fraud that happens in this country happens to the elderly. And I think it's important to touch on what is happening now. What is the hot scam that are getting our elderly? Because they're the most vulnerable, both mentally as well as financially. And hopefully you you, you or one of your, your loved ones doesn't fall victim to this. Uh, and our job here is to warn you so you can hopefully prevent that from happening f- to anybody you know. And then lastly, we're going to touch on the repo market once again if we have time and what are some of the broader causes. And I think this is a great article. It was from the Wall Street Journal that I want to touch on as well. So that's what happened. That's what I want to talk about today. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. I want to know what are you thinking about, what stocks you're looking at, what sectors of the market asset classes, commodities maybe, or maybe you're just transitioning into a new new life, a new job, uh, a, a new marriage. Maybe you're transitioning into retirement. Whatever it is, we want to discuss it, discuss it with you today. Now let's take a quick look at the market. We had a modest update overall. We sold off pretty much from the open early in the day. Actually, we actually sold off later in the day, uh, and we closed down a tad on the S&P. S&P was down about quarter of a percent. The small caps had the biggest drop, about 1.13%. NASDAQ was down about half a percent, and overall, it was a modest down day. Excuse me, not a modest up day, a modest down day after a, a bounce off of pretty strong support on the broader index yesterday. Continue to see a market that is backing and filling, trying to figure out whether the Fed and central banks globally are are dovish enough, what's going to happen with earnings in the IPO market, uh, and just the economy. Is the the economy has been slowing for a while, but a slower economy doesn't mean a bad economy. It just means slower than last year. So the market, I think, is trying to figure out, is the Fed easing, the central bank easing going to be enough to save, to turn the trajectory of the, of the economy enough to keep us out of a recession in the medium term? And if we break out, I think that's the signal that, yes, they've done enough. If not, we break down, it's probably a signal that a recession is sooner rather than later. Let's grab a question from our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Can I have your opinion on E-T-R-N? That's Edward, Tom, Robert, Nancy. Thank you very much. This is Equitrans Midstream Corporation. They engage in natural gas transmission storage and gathering systems in the United States. 
It yields about 12%, so I'm assuming that's what the caller is interested in. This nice 12 and three quarters percent dividend. About a $3.6 billion market cap with an enterprise value of 13 billion, about 10, over $10 billion in net liabilities. Half of that is current. I don't like that. Hmm. I don't like this level of debt in this name. It went recent recent IPO as well. I don't know if this is a spin-off. It could have been a recent spin-off, it looks like, late last year, and it's gone down ever since from in the, the low 20s, high teens. Now we're at 14 after bouncing off the 12 level. I just don't like it technically. I don't like that level of debt. I don't love the oil industry right now and the, the, the streaming pipeline industry, especially when it comes to natural gas, I'm passing on it. Too high risk. When you see a dividend this high, it has negative 80% cash dividend payout ratio. It means they don't even come close, come close to making enough to pay out that dividend on a consistent basis. And this is likely going to be a flash in the pan. Their pay ratio based on earnings is 244%. So in order to pay off this dividend, they're going to have to continue to borrow money. And when that gets shut off, guess what they do? They're going to shut down that dividend or reduce it dramatically. So revenues have decelerated from 88% growth last um, first quarter of last year. Last quarter, 8% revenue growth. So complete decimation of their revenue growth and earnings over the last two quarters are down 31 and 28%. I would pass 100% on this name. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to thank you for making this program a part of your routine. And whenever you have an investment question, even after hours, I encourage you to explore our podcast library. You can search, listen, subscribe, and then rate the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 99Chart. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Now today is IPO day. Most days are IPO days, but it's IPO day for fitness bike maker Peloton. And the big question is, was it a good investment? And so far it has not been. It closed down about 11% IPO'd at $29 a share. Closed today at $25.76. On the IPO price, the price still valued a little over $8 billion. Call it $9 billion if you include stock options that are going to be uh, vested soon. Now it's worth about $7 billion. And this is a company that is nine years old. But it doesn't make money. But they have one million loyal users who work out while watching videos on the bike screen. They do, uh, they do exercises on the bike as well as other types of exercises. And they have a subscription model. So you buy a Peloton, costs around two thousand dollars. I think there's different models. Some cost a little bit more. And then you pay, I believe, forty dollars a month. 
and you get these classes as many as you want and they have a very low subscription churn rate less than one percent so less than one percent cancellation uh, i believe annually unit sales growth are oh, is over a hundred percent per year but analysts say that rate is not sustainable why because how many people are really going to spend two thousand dollars for a bike to put in their home they might not have the money or the room to keep this somewhere in their home and this reminds me a lot of bowflex and a lot of the at-home gyms that you saw in the 90s early 2000s it's just adding another layer of technology on top of it and this is i think one of the biggest problems here in the marketplace today is people are taking past fads or past products that didn't have much technology integrated in them and they layer on this piece of technology and suddenly the market acts like they're a technology company when really they're a bike company a a, a exercise bike company yes there's some technology to it but guess what in every business pretty much today there's a solid level of technology that is used to function. KPB Financial, we have about a half dozen pieces of technology that we use for clients from a risk analysis tool to client uh, client portal software to risk analysis tools to portfolio analysis tools to research tools. We all, we use a lot of different pieces of technology, but are we a technology company? No, we're a financial advisor. So all of these companies are just old news slapped with technology on top of them and suddenly it's a technology company. Remember how Steve and I have explained many times that IPOs can be dangerous waters for investors? Well, Uber opened at $45 a share, now at 31. Lyft at 72, now is at 41, down 46%. Slack is down 41% since the IPO. Even the big winners like a like a Pinterest, Zoom, Beyond Meat, they have done well from the beginning, but they're starting to falter as well. So understand the risk level with these IPOs. You can do well in the short term, but many, most of them are priced for perfection upon IPO. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you and I both know that no one wants. Oh, I guess I'm going to pass on that. Our phone lines are open right now at 888 chart. We have some important calendar dates for you. First, Steve Peasley is taking reservations for his no cost portfolio reviews. The next availability will be October 10th in San Jose, and then November 7th in New York City. And the next KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference will be held in Irvine, California on October 12th. That is a Saturday. You can learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Let's go to Charles in Moreno Valley looking at VET, Vermilion Energy, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. What I do you like about Vermilion? Uh, well, I like that it's near its low, and I like, of course, I'm dividend chasing. And 
uh, I looked under analysts, and they, it seems to be that the uh, revenues will are increasing. Well, revenues are increasing, but they're increasing at a at a lower rate than they were a year ago. Ninety six percent growth in September quarter of last year. Last quarter, only twenty eight percent. And their earnings are really all over the place. Uh, over the past eight quarters, you have three that they lost money. One they made only a penny, and the other ones were were kind of all over the place. They made their, their biggest quarter was uh, fourth quarter last year of two dollars and twenty seven cents. So this is not a consistent earner by any stretch of the imagination. Their payout ratio is 111%. Their cash dividend payout ratio is 553%. So they only actually bring in cash flow of about 20% of what they pay out in dividends. And that's why they have growing debt load. And that worries me. And it's in, in, in a downtrend. Now, from a technical perspective, it did have a nice reversal last month on high volume, and it's now trading above its 50-day, or sorry, 20-day moving average and consolidating fairly nicely. However, I needed to get above that 100-day, about $19. It's coming down a little bit. It's at 17.05 now. For me to say, this has technically turned, and the oil market needs to get a lot better as well. And it, it's certainly going to boost from the attacks on Saudi Arabia, and it's going to be sensitive to oil prices, clearly. So it's extremely high risk. This is not your coupon clipping business where it's just going to print you 12% every single year, right? It's going to be all over the place because their business is all over the place, and their dividend is actually all over the place. If you look, their dividend changes Pretty, it's actually it pays monthly. That's nice. Is that one of the reasons you like it as well? It pays monthly? Uh, that was uh, positive, but you're bringing out things that I didn't find. I think, I think I'm going to pass well, on this. Yeah, it, it's it's just high risk. I, it doesn't mean I don't... I, I like it better than that last one that we talked about because that was leveraged to the hilt. This has a decent amount of debt, uh, but at least it's cash flow positive where the other one was cash flow negative. I like that about it, but it's business is all over the place. So it doesn't it doesn't mean that uh, you don't buy it. It just means you have to understand the risk level and the fact that it's come back a little bit. It's it's trending a little bit better gives me some hope that that positive ri- that risk can actually turn into positive risk because risk doesn't always mean negative. It can actually mean positive. And so I don't hate it, but I definitely don't love it either. Now my main talking point today. Collective home equity has increased at an annual rate of 4.8%. But unlike the past cycle, people aren't taking money out. In fact, cash out refinancing fell from about $28 billion in the fourth quarter of last year to about $27 billion in the first quarter of this year, despite declining mortgage rates. So... What you're seeing here is the classic example of the last recession is very, the catalyst for the last recession is not going to be the catalyst for the next recession. Just the way it is. It's not the catalyst for the next recession. You see this time and time again. The early 90s, that recession, that was fairly real estate driven in a lot of ways. You had the savings and loan crisis and all that. Well, what was the next recession? Well, that was tech-driven. Then what happened? What happened in the next recession? Well, that was real estate-driven. And now what is this one? Likely tech-driven. 
So back in the mid 2000s, people were taking all of this equity out of their homes and they, what did they do? They learned their lesson because they saw that home prices can go down. And that's what this news it should teach you is that usually people learn enough lessons in the last cycle that they don't make the same mistake in the next cycle. They just make different mistakes. Right? What's also interesting about this statistic is most of the gains in equity weren't here in California or in the Northeast. In fact, Connecticut lost some home equity. It was actually in areas like Wyoming, Nevada, Idaho, where people are moving from high-cost states, high-tax states, to low-cost and low-cost states. Or low-tax states, excuse me. Sometimes no-tax states. So this is a positive for the economy overall that people have equity. If they lose their job, they could tap it if they want to. They're not leveraged to the hilt when it comes to their home, which means during the next downturn, the drop in housing prices, if there is any, will be more driven by losses of jobs as opposed to people losing their homes. That doesn't mean there's not a lot of risk in areas that are have jobs concentrated in tech. That's where the frothiness is today. Bay Area, Seattle, Austin, Texas, places like that. Now, on tomorrow's Invest Talk, one prominent analyst says that said, says that to stabilize short-term lending markets, the Fed will need to grow its balance sheet permanently. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me? For us. You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action with the active 401k program. KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. The great thing about achieving financial freedom, you can keep working if you want to, but you don't have to. And here's more good news. KPP clients who are active 401k subscribers will receive a complimentary subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each Friday, Steve Peasley writes a market action and trend newsletter that serves as a quick summary of the week that was. It also includes stock ideas, portfolio management information, and consumer finance tips. So enroll in the Active 401k program and also get the KPP Premium Newsletter. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open 
And Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi guys, Lee from North Carolina. Just had a quick question about REITs. I know when you're looking at the fundamentals of a REIT, you're looking for different things than you would be looking for when it comes to a typical stock. Just curious, what are some of the things fundamentally that you look for when you're trying to pick out the right REIT? And then also, what are the things you're looking for when you are trying to determine if uh, you should be exiting a REIT that you already hold a position? I look forward to hearing the answer on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Well, the main difference when analyzing a REIT versus a individual stock is they don't report earnings. They report funds from operations, which is basically a cash flow figure. And they need to pay out a certain percentage of that, 90% of that or more in dividends. And that's where you want to analyze. Is that increasing? Is it decreasing? What is it trading for in relation to the funds from operation compared to its peers, you know, other companies within the industry? And then it goes to the next part. What industry are they operating in? Not all REITs are created equal. You know, healthcare REIT is probably going to be less cyclical than maybe an industrial REIT or a retail REIT, which is going, uh, which is undergoing secular decline, right? So if I'm looking to sell a REIT, I want to, or I'm trying to figure out whether I should sell a REIT, I want to say, is the underlying business solid? Is the underlying industry solid, right? Because if the industry is weakening like retail, there's going to be headwinds to the occupancy rates of those properties, headwinds to the amount they can charge for rent, the number of types of companies coming into the space. And there aren't a lot of brick and mortar companies that are being launched into the brick and mortar retail space, tough space to make money in. But the industrial warehouse space, that's an area that is hot because of Amazon and online shopping. So there's secular tailwinds for that area of the REIT space. Other REITs are well diversified. They have commercial properties, as well as retail properties, industrial, managed healthcare facilities, you know, think of nursing homes. So it's really understanding the underlying business, their strategy, and whether they are best in class, worst in class, and you don't just compare them from one REIT to another, it's each REIT in each particular area of the real estate marketplace. So great question. REITs are very strong right now. We like REITs, but not all REITs are created equal. So great call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have about 20 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. We're just a few days away from the fourth quarter, which means we're a few days away from the last quarter of the year. And most people don't like paying taxes. Therefore, they need to take steps to reduce their tax bill for this year, even though we had a tax cut recently and the standard deduction is much higher, there are still things that you can do to reduce your tax bill overall. Now, the first thing we should address is 
RMDs, required minimum distributions. When you have an IRA or a 401k and you reach the age of 70 and a half, you are required to take start taking money out of those accounts on a consistent basis. Now, there's a formula of how much you should do or you have to do, right? How much you have to take out. But that can be an opportunity. It can be an opportunity to rebalance your portfolio, maybe reduce your equity exposure, keep your fixed income exposure, reduce your exposure to maybe tech stocks, expensive stocks in this market. This is a good time to do that. You can use this to right-size your portfolio risk or de-risk your portfolio. Next, you can also do what is called a qualified charitable, charitable distribution. You can pull up to $100,000 from your IRA and steer it directly to a charity or a charity of your choice. And if you do that, it doesn't affect your adjusted gross income. It goes directly to charity. Now, Normally, when you donate to charity, you need to get over the standard deduction in order to apply that donation to your taxes. So what this means is, if you go direct, you don't take any of that, you go directly to a charity, you don't have to worry about going over a standard deduction for that contribution to apply. That makes sense? So because fewer taxpayers are itemized, because that standard deduction is so high, Many people could give money to charity or RMDs to charity after taking that money and it doesn't apply to their taxes as a write-off. You can also do charity bunching where you maybe not give a little bit every year, but you put a lump sum, you save it up five years in a row and then you donate it and you can write it off and, and get above that standard deduction. And then lastly, going into the fourth quarter, if you have mutual funds in a taxable account, oftentimes in October, November timeframe, they distribute capital gains distributions. So you need to look at that to see if you may be hit with big capital gains taxes, especially now since a lot of people are pulling money out of actively managed mutual funds and into passively managed ETFs. That creates a lot of selling within these mutual funds and big capital gain taxes for you. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. He's looking at British Petroleum. Yes. Hi, Justin. Um, yes, I'm interested in British Petroleum for the dividend and uh, for a long-term hold. Um, and I'm either going to, I'm thinking of either using some cash that I have on the side or maybe selling my shares. I have shares of Chevron and then because the dividend is kind of low in Chevron and switching over, I, I wonder what your thoughts would be about that. Well, overall as a company, I like Chevron better than British Petroleum. So I always start there, not just the dividend. The dividend is one piece of the puzzle, but I want to be owning, especially long-term, the companies that are executing well, that have the best cash flows, the best assets, and even though BP yields 6.4% and Chevron only yields 4%, Chevron is in a much better situation with their cash flows, with their debt, and so mm -hmm. I rather own a company like that 
than a company that has a pretty hefty debt load, isn't quite as profitable, doesn't have the cash flows, and just to get an extra couple percent in yield. So mm-hmm. I would definitely wouldn't be trading out Chevron for BP. Now, if you want to up your allocation to the oil space, I don't hate BP. I don't think it's a bad company. They certainly have some legacy liabilities with the oil spill and all that, and that could be a worry. However, it's still a company that has decent cash flows, decent business. Uh, Technically, it's not great, but it's starting to show some life with the whole value space as a whole. Um, But overall, it's not my favorite in the space. Definitely like Chevron better. It is cheaper than, than most other out there, but I think that's for a reason because their return on assets are only 3%. That's relatively low for the whole industry. It's relatively cheap, but I just don't like the fact that the profitability is so weak. Revenues are down 3 and 4% over the last quarter. Earnings are down 10 and 2% over the last two quarters. I worry about that trajectory, so I'm out on BP. Thanks for the call, John. Let's go to Jason in El Segundo looking at T-A-L-O. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. We, we're just, this is all about energy today, huh? Talos Energy engaged in the exploration production of oil and natural gas in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm assuming this is a deep water driller? You know, I think so. I'm new to investing. I've been involved about two okay. weeks, and uh, I've been searching for value stocks. I found this. I thought it would be great. I got a 100 shares at 24.24, and it's just done nothing but start diving since I bought it. So I'm not sure if I should keep it or uh, get rid of it. So I thought I'd call you to ask. Okay. Well, this is in a deep downtrend in the on the weekly chart, the longer term charts. It's, this is a weird chart. Why is it? It's 2008 high was split adjusted four thousand dollars a share, and now we're at twenty one dollars a share. So clearly they have some issue here. They're incinerating capital, about a billion dollars in market cap, about half a billion dollars in debt. Positive free cash flow, that's good. Operating earnings yield 25%. I like that. No dividend, which is fine. I don't need it to pay a dividend to be a good value. Return on equity, 35%. I like that. I want to know kind of what happened recently with the reverse split and everything. It seems a little fishy in that sense, and it, 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 like it's backed into, it's been a reverse merger or something like that. I don't like that side of it, but if you look at the raw numbers, the raw numbers are definitely cheap. You're talking about enterprise, enterprise value to EBITDA of 2, 2.3, very, very cheap. I like that. I would use 18 as the out. If it gets below the August low of 17.90 or so, I'm out, but it, it is improving. Its technicals are pretty decent. Its fundamentals are definitely solid based on what I'm looking at. I don't love the history of that chart, but it is improving, making higher lows, higher highs. So I'm going to go with it, but I would have an out of 1790 on this name. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and I'm assuming you want to grow your wealth, right? That's why you're here. You want to make your investment choices without emotions, without fear and greed creeping into your judgment process. And that's why you need to understand 
your risk, your risk tolerance. And that's why we have our free online tool at investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. It's a risk questionnaire. gives you a score of 1 to 99. And then we're able to match up your portfolio with your risk score so that when you have market volatility, you're not freaking out because you know that the expect your expected volatility of the portfolio is going to match your risk tolerance. And then you don't make rash decisions. Market goes down 5%. You don't freak out because you know you're invested properly. Now we're going into the last segment here. Almost. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. The economy is strong, mortgage rates are at or near historic lows, and the housing and real estate market is calling you. But just how can you, how should you become an investor in real estate? What is the best course of action based on your financial situation and risk tolerance? Should you consider a vacation rental investment? Or are you better suited for buy and hold transactions? And here's something all investors have to deal with. We are living in a no-yield world. So how can you safely get income from stocks and bonds despite a choppy market? You can register to attend the next KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will lead the event, and they'll be joined by two real estate experts and a trust attorney. Get your questions answered efficiently at one time and in one place. Saturday, October 12th in Irvine, California. The KPP Wealth Management Conference. Seating is limited. Register now at investtalk.com. Let's take a quick look at some key benchmark numbers for today. The two-year treasury yield was at 1.66%. The 10-year at 1.70%. So the yields didn't move too much today. Modest uh, modest change, a little bit down tick, which matches kind of the risk-off nature of the market overall. Gold was up a little bit, 15.18 per ounce. We still are kind of in this consolidation zone, I think, around the 1500 level, give or take, one way or the other. Gold's been overbought for a little while now and needs to back and fill to get some energy to make its next move, which you know could be next year. Uh, but I think on dips, you continue to allocate more to gold. Oil, 55.85 per barrel. Higher inventories around the world gave a little setback to oil prices, as well as it appears that the missile attack on Saudi oil production was not as bad as first thought. They're bringing back oil production online rather quickly. Gasoline was at $2.65 per gallon, same as yesterday. 30-year mortgage fixed rate, 3.64%. Home sales are at or near record high. So this has certainly helped the resale market in this country, and that's certainly a positive. Remember, mortgage rates were as high as 16% back in the early 80s. This is a very different market, and you can see low rates are big tailwinds to real estate transactions, real estate prices, and you have to 
understand that dynamic if you're ever going to invest in REITs, companies that build homes, companies that supply products for homes, etc. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break, so get your questions in now at 888 chart On the next Invest Talk, one prominent analyst says that to stabilize short-term lending markets, the Fed will need to grow its balance sheet permanently. That story tomorrow. But now, Justin Klein is here ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Jose in San Francisco. He's talking about, finally, a non-energy name, Roku. You looking to buy it, short it, give it away? I'm looking I'm looking to buy it. I think it's uh, oversold. Um, okay. I'd like to know your thoughts on fundamentally, if it's a good stock to even get into in the first place, and uh, what's a good entry point? I would say, no, this is not a company that's good fundamentally to get into. Their revenues are growing, but their earnings continue to be negative in a big, big way. Going to lose 50 cents a share this year and 41 cents a share next year. And that's after analysts are upgrading uh, their projections. $12 billion market cap in a company that doesn't make money. Uh, there's no enterprise value to EBITDA because the EBITDA is negative, negative 11 billion or 11 million dollars the free cash flow is positive last quarter six million that's nice i think this is a name that's probably worth about a billion maybe two billion dollars and it's a 12 billion dollar valuation so i think this is a 20 dollar 30 dollar stock at best from a fundamental perspective and i think it'll continue to trend down technically it's now broken the 100-day moving average on a weekly basis. It's also broken. It's, it's, it's at some support here, around $100 a share. So that's your best aspect of it, technically. But fundamentally, this is part of the whole growth space. It was overhyped, overpumped. And I think this is a 20 to $30 stock back where it was late last year. And I think it's going to make a round trip and it's going to get there. So if I'm saying where to buy it, 20 bucks, that's where I would own it. Now it's at 130. So about 80% lower from here. All right, thank you. Thanks for the call, Jose. That was Roku. R-O-K-U is the symbol. Let's talk, or let's close up with scams, elderly scams about Three, sorry, $36 billion annually are stolen from the elderly every single year. So I want to just touch on a few of the scams that are common today. One is the invoice scam is when victim is contacted by someone claiming to work on behalf of a company such as a utility company to collect fees of some type. The romance scams where a victim is wooed romantically online and then asked for money to pay off bills or prepaid credit cards, etc. The pigeon drop scam, I think this one's really interesting, is when the victim is told that a considerable sum of money was found and will be shared, but they have to give an upfront fee. Those are some of the ones that are less known. There's obviously the lottery scam where people go to the elderly and say, you've won the lottery. 
I need, you know, a, a tax down payment or something like that. There's the IRS scam. The IRS will never call you. Send you a letter. The IRS will never call you to get back taxes. Now there's a charity scam. Calling up, woe is me about save the children, save the needy, save the homeless. And it's not really a charity at all. It's just people trying to take advantage of elderly people who have money that feel bad. So anytime you hear someone asking for money urgently or want a money order or money on a prepaid credit card or debit card, run away. Don't make payments over the phone or via email. Also, another big common scam is fraudsters are setting up websites that look very similar to legitimate websites. So like instead of apple.com, it's apples.com. So it looks very similar to websites you deal with. Maybe a vendor, a, a, a utility company that you deal with. Maybe it looks like Google or maybe it looks like Facebook. They're dressed oftentimes just like those other sites, but the URL is different. So be weary of this. This happens all the time. I see people get money stolen all the time because of websites that are just slightly off and it just means it's a completely different site and it's a complete fraud. I'm Justin Klein and this completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Steve will be here tomorrow and I will return on Monday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.